Well, now we turn to this morning's scripture reading. Today is the third and the final Sunday in our three-week sermon series that we've been calling My Cup Runneth Over. And during the three weeks of this series, we've been talking about the ways in which God is generous with us and what happens when we choose to be generous towards God. And we've been following one story through all the three weeks of this series, the story of a moment when three wandering strangers came and visited the tent of a couple named Abraham and Sarah. I invite you to open your ears, open your heart, listen for God's voice as our friend Andrew shares with us the end of that story. Genesis chapter 18 verses 9 through 15. They said to him, where's your wife Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, oh yes, you did laugh. So a few years back, I heard this story about a family who lived in Brazil. The Almeida family lived in Rio de Janeiro, and they were a more or less ordinary family. The only thing unusual about the Almeida family was that they had a pet tortoise. The Almeidas had a pet red-footed tortoise named Manuela. And Manuela was a sweetheart. She was friendly and she loved to stretch out her neck and, and have her nose rubbed. Manuela was every bit a part of the Almeida family. Until one day, suddenly something terrible happened. One day, Manuela just disappeared. And the family looked all over the house and they even looked around outside the house for her, but they just couldn't find her. The only thing they could figure is that somebody must have left a door open and she must have wandered off and out into the woods. Now, years went by, three decades went by, and then 30 years after Manuela disappeared, Mr. Almeida died. And so all of his children who were now grown and adults with lives and homes of their own came back to the house where they all grew up to go through all of Mr. Almeida's things and sort out the, the remains of his life. It turns out that Mr. Almeida was a little bit of a hoarder. And so there was one room in the house that was packed from floor to ceiling with all of this stuff, all of these boxes of junk and old electronics and appliances that Mr. Almeida had never quite got around to fixing. And so his children started hauling all of this stuff, load after load of this stuff out to the curb to be picked up with the trash. And as they were making trips back and forth and back and forth, Leandro Almeida, Mr. Almeida's son, heard a neighbor call out to him. A neighbor had started poking around and rummaging through all of these boxes, seeing if there was anything worth saving. And as he was making trips back and forth, Leandro Almeida heard a neighbor call out, hey, you're not gonna throw away this turtle, are you? And so Leandro walked over and looked down into a box and sure enough, there inside the box, next to an old broken record player, was Manuela. And Manuela looked up at Leandro, and Leandro looked down at Manuela, and then Manuela stretched out her neck, 
and stuck out her nose to have it rubbed, and it was as if no time had passed at all. Well, of course, the Almeida family were thrilled to have Manuela back after 30 years of, of not seeing her. And of course, there were lots of questions to answer and mysteries to try to unravel. The mystery of how Manuela ended up in that box in the first place will probably never be solved. But of course, the question that everybody really wanted an answer to was how on earth was it possible for Manuela the tortoise to survive trapped in that box for 30 years? Now, the story made its way around the world and scientists started weighing in. Scientists started writing articles and papers explaining how a tortoise could survive stuck in a cardboard box for, for 30 years. And they pointed out that of all of the animals in the world, the red-footed tortoise might be the one animal that's built for a situation just like this. It turns out that red-footed tortoises live a long time. A red-footed tortoise can live up to and maybe even more than 250 years. And sometimes in the wilderness, red-footed tortoises can go for two or three years between meals. And they have the ability to lower their body temperature and put themselves into a sort of state of suspended animation. And so scientists figured that that's what Manuela did when she got trapped in that box. She must have put herself into a sort of suspended animation and snoozed for 30 years. Maybe every once in a while she would wake up and eat a termite that had wandered into the box just to, just to put a few calories under her belt. Of course, everybody was, was fascinated by all of the science and, and learning about how God had put red-footed tortoises together and equipped them for such an extreme situation. But when I read this article, the first time I heard this story years ago, the thing I couldn't get over, the thing I kept coming back to was, was the question of what it must have been like for Manuela to be trapped in a cardboard box for 30 years. Can you imagine staring at the same four walls for 30 years? Can you imagine looking at the same broken record player for 30 years? Can you imagine just feeling trapped and sitting around for 30 years waiting for somebody to open the box, waiting for something, waiting for anything to happen? Well, maybe you can imagine what that's like. Maybe now after eight months of pandemic and quarantine and social distancing, maybe all of us can finally understand a little bit of what Manuela the tortoise must have experienced during those 30 years when she was stuck inside a cardboard box. Maybe now after eight months of not going to the movies, after eight months of not going out to eat at restaurants, and now looking at a Thanksgiving holiday without family gatherings, maybe all of us have a little bit of an idea of what it feels like to be trapped in the same four walls month after month, year after year. Abraham and Sarah knew the feeling. They knew exactly what Manuela was experiencing there in that cardboard box. Now, through the three weeks of this sermon series, we've been following this one story from the Hebrew Bible the story of an elderly couple named Abraham and Sarah, who one day received three traveling strangers as guests at their home. Now, last Sunday, we heard about how Abraham showered hospitality and lavished generosity upon these three strangers, how he piled up great big mountains of food in front of them and filled their cups to overflowing. Last week, we heard about how the ancient code of the road made it Abraham's duty 
to receive these three strangers as guests and to offer them a bite to eat. But of course, Abraham and Sarah had another good reason for being so excited to see these three traveling strangers. Now, the thing you have to remember is that living 4,000 years ago, Abraham and Sarah weren't just living before the invention of the internet. They were living before the invention of the post office. They were living before the invention of the newspaper. They were living 2,000 years before the invention of paper, paper, and living out in the wilderness where they did. Abraham and Sarah, most days, maybe sometimes for months or even years at a time, were completely cut off from the world. The only time they got news of the outside world, the only time they felt connected to the outside world was when traveling strangers stopped at their front door. And so Abraham and Sarah would have been excited not just to meet some new people, but to hear the news that they brought of the world outside their home. As a matter of fact, the ancient code of the road made it the stranger's duty, their obligation to tell Abraham and Sarah about the gossip and the news that they picked up as they were walking along that dusty road. According to the ancient code of the road, this was how guests, how house guests repaid, repaid their hosts for their hospitality. The rules were that once everybody had been served and once everybody had eaten then, then the guests would have to share gossip and news and stories with their hosts to make them feel more connected to the outside world. And so when the supper was over, as the three strangers leaned back from the table, Abraham would have leaned forward. And Sarah stood at the door of the tent and put her ear to the canvas to listen to what was going to happen next. Both Abraham and Sarah would have been excited. They would have been eager to hear what news of the outside world these three strangers had brought to their home. You never knew what you were going to learn when you had guests at your table. Maybe they were going to learn that the old king had died and they were living in a land that had a new king. Maybe they would learn about an invading army on the march. Maybe they would learn that there was a drought in a faraway land that was about to affect the prices of their crops. Maybe they would even hear news of family members who lived in far off villages. After supper had been served, Abraham and Sarah both leaned forward and opened their ears to hear what news, what surprises these three wandering strangers had to share. Abraham and Sarah thought they were ready to be surprised, but they weren't ready for what the strangers actually said. Instead of sharing news, the strangers looked at Abraham and then they asked him a question. They said, where is your wife, Sarah? When they asked that question, Abraham's mind started racing. The whole time that he had been serving these three strangers, the whole time he had been offering them hospitality, Sarah had been inside the tent. Never once had she set a foot outside the tent. These three strangers had never met her, never set eyes upon her. And now Abraham is trying to remember in all of their conversation, had he ever actually mentioned Sarah's name? If he hadn't mentioned Sarah's name, then he wondered how did these three strangers know her name? And the obvious answer was that they must have heard some gossip about Abraham and especially about Sarah. Now Sarah was 90 years old. In all her life, she had never been able to have children. 
And so for decades, for many, many decades, there have been gossip and, and whispers about how Sarah was barren, about how her barrenness was a curse, a punishment from God. All of that gossip might have been part of the reason why Abraham and Sarah chose to live out in the wilderness so far from other people. And so Abraham, when these three strangers asked, where is your wife Sarah, suddenly put his guard up and felt defensive and anxious. And very cautiously, he said to the three strangers, well, she's just there inside the tent. And that was when the three strangers shared their news. One of the three strangers said to Abraham, I will come back to this place. And next time I come to visit you, next time I sit at your table as a guest, Sarah will be a mother. Sarah will have a son. And when she heard that, as she was listening just inside the flap of the tent, Sarah couldn't help but laugh. Suddenly she laughed out loud and then she said to herself, can it really be now that I am so old and now that my husband is so very old that we are suddenly going to heat things up in the bedroom again? And now comes my favorite part in this story. The stranger sitting there at the table said to Abraham, he asked Abraham a question. He said, why, why did your wife Sarah say, now that I am so old, can it really be that I could possibly be a mother? Do you see, did you notice what the stranger, do you notice what God did in that moment? God misquoted Sarah. God altered Sarah's words. When God asked Abraham that question, God left out the part about Abraham being too old to perform between the sheets anymore. Why did God do that? Why did God change what Sarah had said? Our Jewish friends, the rabbis say that God did that as an act of grace. God didn't want to embarrass Abraham and God didn't want to say anything that would cause trouble between Abraham and Sarah. And so God changed her words just a little bit in order to spare his dignity. There at the table with the three traveling strangers, there at the table with God, Abraham and Sarah experienced grace upon grace. And that grace worked a transformation. By the time the three traveling strangers left the tent and went on their way, Abraham and Sarah found that they had a new hope in their hearts, a kind of hope that they hadn't felt in many years, maybe even decades. For years, Abraham and Sarah had been sitting around in their tent, staring at the same four walls day after day, year after year, looking back on their lives with bitterness and regret. But now for the first time in decades, now suddenly, instead of looking back with regret, they were looking forward with hope. Finally, they had something to look forward to. I've said a couple times in the sermon series already that this is one of the most important stories in all the Bible. Now there's a couple reasons why that's the case. One reason this story is so important is that it marks a turning point in the Bible story. God kept God's promise. Abraham and Sarah did have a son. They named him Isaac. Isaac had a son, he named his son Jacob, and then God gave Jacob a new name. God gave Jacob the name Israel, and he became the father of the Israelites. 
This visit of the three strangers to Abraham and Sarah's tent marks the beginning of an adventure that would continue for thousands of years and, and bring about the birth of Jesus and eventually would bring about you and me worshiping online at Court Street United Methodist Church this morning. There's another reason that this story is so important though. The other reason that this story is so important to the message that God is telling us in the pages of scripture is that this story in many ways marks the beginning of our faith. In this story, we see everything that is essential still to this day about our faith. In this story, God comes to Abraham and Sarah. God sits at the table with them. God gives them grace. Grace gives them hope. And that hope carried them through many difficult days and trying years. And that's still how our faith works today. God comes to us. God sits at the table with us. God gives us grace. Grace gives us hope. And hope carries us through the most difficult of seasons. That's how our faith works. And that's why we, of all people in this world, are built for the very kind of moment that we're going through right now. In a moment when so many people are giving in to despair. In a moment when we feel trapped, looking at the same four walls day after day after day. In a moment when sometimes it feels like there is nothing to look forward to. We, you and I, we who have sat at the table with God, we who have experienced God's grace, we can't help but be God's hopeful people. It's how God put us together. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for coming to us. We give you thanks for meeting us at the table. We give you thanks for pouring out your grace upon us. We give you thanks for the hope that carries us through the most difficult of seasons. God, we pray today that you would turn our eyes to the future that you would give us something to look forward to, that we would look forward not just to a vaccine, not just to the end of a pandemic, not just to a return to worshiping with one another in this place. God, we pray that you would place in our hearts a hope that one day every sickness will be healed. One day every wound will be mended. One day every grave will be opened and every family made whole. All these things we pray in Jesus. Amen.